let's get it started in here. So we're feeling good, right? We are feeling amazing. I'm so grateful. So many people tuned in. Like I'm just trying to keep my Leo-ness under control. <laughs> you know, that much like positive reinforcement really fucks us up. Distracts us from our destiny. Thank you everybody for listening to All Heart. Uh, my name is Noni Lamar. And my name is Thea Monier. And we're so grateful, everybody, that listened to our first episode. Yes, Hit shared, us up, shared it, commented, commented, ratings and reviews. We'll take what? some more. We'll take we'll some take more. All of it. Listen, you need to know, Noni and I are sponges when it comes to love and attention and joy. Like uh, yeah. we can take as much as you can give. Yes, I was thinking the other day that we're both Pisces Moon. Yes. This could be the, 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 the Pisces Moon podcast. This That's probably why it's called. Might as well be. That's why it's called. But then you have the Earth sign. I do. Out and I have the fire. I do. To keep us going. Yes. <laughs> okay, so what's the deal today? Well, you know, as always, the intention of our podcast is to explore joy and pleasure um, in a way that is accessible to everyone. That it's intersectional and fun and... A little bit bougie sometimes because both of us have things that we like that are pricey. Yeah, a little bit. We just discussed them related yeah. to eyebrows. Yes. So, um, <laughs> Thea's eyebrows are looking really amazing today. So excited because, you know, really, Talani in, in at my household, she's the eyebrow queen. Like, Taya will beat your face, but she will pause at the eyebrows for Talani to come through. So, they're like a team. Yes. <laughs> because everybody knows your lanes, though. It's got to be clear. And Talani. This is like where she like shines. So unless she gives you the eyebrow approval, you are really, you know, your life is not right. So thank you, Nani, because I've been in her class or receiving her criticism, should I say, for some time now. And I'm glad it's paying off. It really is. You know, I've been um, I've been in an eyebrow process. Yeah. OK, so I I went to the eyebrow lady and I said, take it all off. Yeah, like, let's start from scratch. I said, make them thin. Like the 90s. That's what I told her. <laughs> she was like, are you sure? I said, yeah. I was trying to mix it up, right, you know? Right. I was tired of everybody Eyebrow having the same. It's not the most experimental place <laughs> body that we could talk about. But... Look, I was like, I'm tired of everybody looking the same. You know I'm into being different. Yeah, into yeah, standing out. Yeah. And I left with a very... <laughs> Thin brow. Now I already have sparse brows. I left with a very. It was like fifteen hairs total. Total. And I went to a friend's house, and then she was like, "Hmm, that's a look." Interesting choice. That's brave. That's a look. So you know, I'm in the process now. You know when you're growing them out. Yeah. And you just look crazy. Lauren Hill went through this. Yes. I didn't question her sanity when other people did. I questioned it when I saw when the eyebrow Yeah, the, the rest of the stuff, I was like, you know, she's an artist, shit. Like, it just is what it is. But then yeah. my But, you know, this is why Instagram is great, because I saw someone on Instagram, and she had, like, basically no brows. It was, like, blonde, mm-hmm. and it was a look. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to go all the way like this. I'm going to go whoopee. I'm just going to go... <laughs> And it's gonna be my thing. It's gonna be the thing. It's gonna be my thing. I'm I'm gonna be the the sparse brow queen. Remember, you told me you don't want to send me the stuff with Megan Good got her shit fixed. 
Yeah, I did. I, I felt like that was holding her back. Yeah, you like, did. They were revealing just too much about what she was thinking. I I loved them. I thought you they did, were amazing. But I was like, this is what's holding her back. And and, not, and you know, that ain't right. But it is what it is. Like, they communicated too much to the people. Spoken by someone who has perfect eyebrows right now. Currently. See, see I have a lot of eyebrow compassion but, right now. Because <laughs> cause my eyebrows don't look like this. But I, these are like dip brow. So you have, I'm going to show you. What's on your yeah. heart today, Thea? Tell us. So, heart to heart. Okay. What I have experienced the past, I would say, like, months, is the importance of leveling up. Mm. And so, we throw these words out there, like, level up. But let me tell you, when you actually start to level up, shit gets real, really fast. So, like, you realize you've been, like, a champion because you've been in basic spaces. Yeah. So you've been feeling really good about yourself, but you ain't really been challenged in a long time because, you know, you've been like at the top of your league. If you're at the top of your league, it's time to level up. Yeah, because you, you shouldn't have, be the smartest person be, in the you room. You shouldn't be the top of the league. No. You should be striving to keep right. up with the other people around you. And so over the last like month, you know, we started the podcast, Black Girl Mixtape, Epic Meese, DBM, Demi Like Mamas is doing lots of like. It was just like, oh, you got to move to the next level. Let's like, not forget you wrote a whole book. Too. I did write a whole book, yeah. man. Yeah, so it was just a lot going on. And so I felt like I was like going to have an anxiety attack, but that was good because I was like, that means I'm pushing myself differently. I'm not saying in an unhealthy way, but I'm saying like I'm thinking more because I have people around me who are thinking more. And so it's mm-hmm. making me, you know, I've had moments of insecurity about that, but that's good. Let me use that to channel that into me like pushing myself to the next level and being excited to be around people who like you know hit deadlines hit their marks like want to go big think big you know and so that I have to say if you find yourself and you're like the hottest shit in the room you need to change rooms it's what I'm saying because leveling up is hard but it's essential absolutely and it's constant it is every moment is an opportunity to expand it's, it's, but it's a lot though it's like sometimes lot. you just want to like chill but so Thea you're a therapist right mm-hmm. so I was um reading on talking about leveling, leveling up I was reading on um somebody's Facebook page this week they were talking about and this is why I stay awake because I stay awake from thinking of these things mm-hmm. a, a type A personality versus a type B personality mm-hmm. and it was saying like basically that People in California don't like type A personalities. That this is a place more for type B personalities. Chilling, just, you know, smoking all the best weed, going to brunch all the time, happy hour. But people that have more a type A personality, which Mm -hmm. I would say we both do, we both do, do, don't thrive as much here. What do you think about that? That's not true. Mm-hmm. Because we have the entire we have the entertainment industry. Here, That's what like, other people were saying. Of type A people, like yeah. hardcore writers, producers, directors. Right. I mean, like that's crazy. I think it is different though heard, when you go to the East Coast and like when I go to the East Coast, I feel like I'm in a train full of type A personalities. Mm-hmm. I'm on a street full of type A personalities. I think. Here in LA, like I do feel sometimes a little bit different in mm-hmm. terms of like not everyone I know is thinking always about grinding. Yeah. About when I'm in New York, I don't feel balanced. I feel like it's cold and mean. 
<laughs> I'm like, where's the joint? I've yet to find the joint in New York. I other people have found it. I, I love New mess, York, but I, I don't. I think it's dirty as fuck. I don't care how much you pay for your hotel, you gonna find like a hair or some shit. It's weird, but. I love I think it's New cold. York. I think it's dirty. Have you been in the summer? It's wonderful. Isn't that when it's like fucking humid as Yes, it's God. wonderful. It's wonderful. Like to be a black girl, oh, talk about my 20s. To be a black girl <laughs> in New York, in, New in, York in the summer, we're talking about Caribbeans, Dominicans, yeah, that, Puerto Ricans. I get that part. I, I love the diversity. Haitians. I mean, life was good. Life was good. Life, I mean, I always give it up to New York. Well, I mean, first of all, anywhere there's Caribbeans, they're going to know how to relax. <laughs> Let's just be real. Like, like, I got off a plane in Panama and like, midnight and my dad was like so we're gonna travel to Rio Bajo and I was like now he's like yeah the party was just getting started yes. it was a man with a walker coming out of like one of those like hot box clubs where it's like yes. nothing but body heat and he had a walker amazing and made his way through that packed ass sweaty crowd so anywhere you find Caribbean folks you're going to find Hella pleasure, enjoy, <laughs> and relax. But, I mean, in a lot of spaces, I feel... Maybe because I always also tended to go to New York for business. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's different. It's, it's different. different. But I feel here, like, people grind a lot. Everybody I know out here is grinding. Um, people grind out here a lot. I think we grind a lot, maybe artistically. So it's viewed different where, like, there's, like, a lot of financial... That's true. ...associated with New York and business stuff associated with New York. So I don't know. But if you do want to be a type B, it's also the bomb because we have the beach and apparently we have the bomb weed. We have the bomb weed. <laughs> we have the bomb weed. We have the bomb weed. Quiet as We have the beach. I don't think it's quiet. I don't think it's quiet. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I don't think it's quiet. <laughs> we but, have the beach. We have the bomb weed. I mean, I mean we have the mountains. It, it's warm. We have the desert. We have everything right here. I mean, so, Cal- if you if you want to be a type B personality, California is the place to come. So I'm going to tell you what's on my heart. I am a nutrition junkie. Anyone that knows me well knows that I'm always using my body as some sort of experiment, right? To like, and you've known this. I, oh yeah, I call you about any random herb. Yeah, I'm herb. I'm so into using my body as an experiment. So, you know, before I had children, like that was very easy to mm-hmm. to use my body as an experiment. But after I had children and gained a lot more pounds. Mm-hmm. Using my body as an experiment also became an experiment in weight loss, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So recently, like, I started experimenting with the keto diet, and mm-hmm. I must tell you it's wonderful but extremely hard. that one is. So the keto diet is basically you eat protein from basically animals. Sorry, vegans. <laughs> you eat animals, animals. and you eat um, vegetables, and you eat fat, and that's it. You don't eat any carbs. You eat like mm, 25 grams max of carbs a day. And that's like like one fry. Is that like one fry? I don't even know the calculations. (laughs) Listen, like there's carbs in like celery. There's carbs in lettuce. There's carbs in tomatoes. So basically it's all the vegetables on your plate are carbs. So you can't like have. So they count as your carbs? Yeah. As your 25. Yeah. Yeah, but the biggest thing is, like, you can't eat sugar or coconut sugar or maple syrup or dates. You can't have any of that stuff. But I'm telling you, the clarity that I I have of just not eating sugar, not even eating too much fruit all the time, like, the clarity, the good health in my body, and more importantly, the fats. So I saw this this movie called The Magic Pill, and Mm -hmm. it's on Netflix. It's all about keto diet. I just saw it this week. 
And I was amazed. Like, I was angry about the food that people feed their children. Mm -hmm. You know, people say no judgment. I'm all about (laughs) no judgment until you start feeding your children. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yo, give them a better start than, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. goldfish crackers Mm -hmm. and, like, uh, with Lucky Charms. Like, this child was eating nothing but goldfish Mm -hmm. cereal. It was just, like, all from a box. Apple juice. She didn't even drink water. Like, it was just... Only apple juice and goldfish crackers was like her diet. Her diet. Uh-huh. And she had all of these problems and issues. Yeah. And then once they got her on a keto diet and gave her like meat and vegetables and fats, because this is mostly like how so many of our ancestors ate. Now, this is a long discussion. We can have a debate about whose ancestors ate what. Yeah. But when we yeah, talk about traditional true. diets, they were so, so, so high in fat. And that fat... What types of fat? Like, tell me where you're getting your fats from. Me, personally, I'm eating, like, plant fats. I eat, you know, I eat mostly plants. Mm -hmm. So, um, I eat avocado, coconut, coconut oil, MCT oil, avocado oil, olives. It's, like, my favorite snack. Like, plant, plant Mm -hmm. fats. You know, you can also eat ghee. You can eat butter. Some keto people eat copious amounts of dairy, which ends up causing lots of inflammation. I could go on and on. But at the end of the day, there's a difference in my brain. Mm-hmm. And I've really been noticing giving my children more fat that there's a difference in their brain. There's a difference in their mood. Mm-hmm. There's a difference in how they're processing the world. And so I'm just all about encouraging people to just <laughs> eat more fat. I've been texting people all so week. So eat like, more fat. But eat more if fat. you're plant-based. You if you're plant-based. meat. Yeah, eat. Eat. Beans and nuts and so let's say there are there's such a thing as vegan keto which is basically that just sounds like so much fucking work right look there is such a thing but it's basically just vegetables and seeds and nuts i do agree let me tell you i agree that the sugar when i remove sugar i definitely have a lot more clarity when i remove meat I'm more emotionally stable. Absolutely. Obviously. And when I remove dairy, I see the biggest physical changes in my body. Yeah. So those are the three I kind of gauge. So I I kind of have to gauge like what I need. When I can reduce all three, I'm like basically Buddha Yeah. walking around here. I mean, this week too, I read a book by Mark Hyman called Food, What the Heck Should We Eat? And I'm just so interested in this information that like I'll devour a book like that in like three hours or something. But basically, he talks about what we should eat because it becomes so difficult to kind of gauge. And he kind of follows a vegan or paleo-vegan type of diet where the majority of the things on your plate are vegetables. You're eating one to two servings of fruit a day. Mm -hmm. That's one to two servings, Mm -hmm. not copious amounts of fruit. And then you're eating a little bit. Like he literally eats four ounces of animal protein a day. Mm -hmm. So that's like barely an ounce and a half or something at each meal. Mm -hmm. That's a little tiny bit. bit. Because, you know, people trying to live off the the muscle meat of Mm -hmm. animals, that's a lot. You're like really giving a lot of toxicity to your liver. Like all all kind of things are happening in your body. But I really enjoyed that because he kind of broke down a lot of myths, put a lot of science behind what we should eat and like, Let's say you're plant-based and you wanted to eat more fat, you can have more tahini sauce, you can mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. almond butter, mm-hmm. you can have, 
you know, but me, I was eating like three apples and two tablespoons of almond butter. So mm-hmm. now it's more about eating celery than mm-hmm. almond butter, mm-hmm. you know, just like really switching the way that we're thinking in terms of eating vegetables yeah. as the foundation of what we eat and yeah. building up from there. You know? I do agree. Most of our ancestors were plant-based primarily. Like mm-hmm. meat was a special occasion, yep. but also it came up in my meditation to give up specifically meat mm-hmm. and to decrease sugar and dairy just kind of went along with it. But what really sealed the deal for me was, I think it was last year, there was like a news story about a truck that crashed. It was a big crash. Bottom line, though, is that when the truck crashed and it burned, like it caught on fire, there was like this sticky substance in the truck that the police were trying to figure out what it was. And it turned out it was Skittles. But that wasn't the gee whiz. The gee whiz was, or the gag. As the kids say, was that the truck was on its way to a farm because they were going to feed it to the cows. Stop it. And I was like, and see, I am down. Let's be be clear. uh, I don't eat cows. Yeah. (laughs) Like, 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 that is. But then, you know, so here's what I'll say. They were going to feed Skittles to the cows. Baby, yes. And they feed all kinds of crap to these animals. But here's the reality. The reality is that, you know, I know some people listen to this and say, bitch, I'm about to go get me some barbecue right now. You know, live your best life. Yeah. We want you to live your best life. We want you to enjoy yourself. But 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 the more you do become aware of self, the more food is going to be a part of that conversation. Because there are things we eat that are blocking our ability to hear ourselves, our ability to feel what our body's trying to tell us. It's making it more difficult for us to manage anger, anxiety. It's just a reality. And yeah. I can tell, literally, I'm able to balance my emotions and kind of follow my spiritual and life practice easier when I have not eaten meat. I feel better about my body when I have not eaten dairy. And with and with sugar, sugar just is just a thing that throws everything out of whack. It's one of the things, the worst things you could do to yourself. Yeah. I think, too, like, just to end with it is, like, I think food is a journey and our diets mm-hmm. are a journey. Mm-hmm. Like I've, like I said, experimented with a lot of different ways of eating, but I also, I was put on more of a keto diet by my naturopath, mm-hmm. you know, like, Hey, check this diet out. And you can be a plant-based person again. You can be a vegan again, mm-hmm. if that's what you choose to mm-hmm. be. But right now what's going on in your body it requires this, requires this because you ate too much sweet things as a vegan. Like you were just going hard like on every pineapple under the sun every mango like I would just get a case of mangoes and be like yes Yes, this is awesome you know and then mixing that fruit with fat it was my body couldn't handle all of that you know and so one thing to me is because I hang out with so many vegans is like feeling that shame like oh my Mm -hmm. god this 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 person who follows Dr. Sabi's diet Mm -hmm. is gonna find out chicken mm-hmm. yesterday mm-hmm. like you know yeah I don't do that that's why I work in percentages I told you I'm, <laughs> I'm plant-based but I work in percentages like you know I feel like if I engage in it like 90% of the time that 10% you know it's, it's, it's mainly because you're I'm, a flexitarian I'm a flexitarian but really in my home and what I buy yeah. I don't I don't I buy what I I and, I, and I, that's why 90% of my life can be that way it's because I won't purchase it and I won't prepare it for myself but when it happens it's like say I'm in my mama house and she's like 
still try to come into a full understanding of what plant-based means. So she's like, I made noodles, but with shrimp. Right. So you'd be like, that's not plant-based. <laughs> but it's your mama. She made you noodles with shrimp. So you're going to eat the shrimp. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. I just feel like those are the moments where I give myself the flex. Because usually it's out with someone like family or, you know, whoever. Right. But home, that's why I can control 90% because it's what I bought and it's what I... And then, and I don't feel bad about that ten percent because I know what I'm doing, you know, ninety percent of the time. So it, I I don't say vegan necessarily because I just I personally associate it with crazed white people flipping over tables when they find out <laughs> that there's like a drop of egg in something. And I just like as soon as you say it, I feel like people tense up. So I'm like, nah, man, it's cool, you know, plant based, ninety percent. 90%. 90%. I mean, I just think we got to be flexible. I mean, so. I, I would have replaced those noodles personally with just some, like, zucchini, spiralized. My mom wasn't going to do that. <laughs> have you met Monica? I Monica have. was like, you lucky I did this. It's true. I was like, I am. So it's I'm going to eat that. It's true. And watch what all the uh, Real Housewives shows I missed last week because you taped them all. That's Monica. Well, what's our subject today? What are we talking about? So our subject today, we're talking about the sexual body. So today we're really centering erotic, erotic our pleasure. Because like we could have waited, but why? 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 Like we could have said, let's ease them into it, but why? We want to talk about sex. Why? And we want to talk why? about it a lot because this is a podcast about joy and pleasure, and I love. <laughs> Sex, like I love money. Noni really has been instrumental, I'll say, on my path in this journey. And that'll probably come up as we discuss it. So I'll let you start now. Okay. So this is important mm-hmm. because I really think this, as a therapist, I'm going to say, this has a lot to do with how people feel about sex throughout their lives, is how it was introduced to them. Like how the idea of it, mm-hmm. the concept of it, was it through a parent, was it through a class, was it through a peer? Um... Like, how did they first come into an understanding of what sex was? So, I came into an understanding of what sex was through the church. Mm -hmm. And by the church, I mean the Christian and Catholic church. Mm -hmm. I grew up in, first, a non-denominational church Mm -hmm. um, that was super, like, Baptist-based. And, like, folks were, like, always, like, fainting and, like, jumping (laughs) up and down, running. Like, I played church as a child. Like, that was... (laughs) We came home from church and they were like, "You want to play church?" And, and there was people a would start passing out, passing out, speaking in tongues, just, just so, thing. just the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I come from a long line of ministers, mm-hmm. so my mom was always the music minister. And how sex was discussed was, you wait till you have, you get married mm-hmm. to have sex, mm-hmm. and then um, I was on that path for mm-hmm. a long time. And then I went to Catholic school. I went to a Catholic high school, and everybody was getting it in. I didn't know that because <laughs> I, I was went to a Catholic school too, so I'm just telling you exactly what happened. I was really surprised when we were in class, in our religion class, and they played, you know, Catholics. I, I love Catholics, but in Catholic school, they go hard. Like, they played an abortion video, <laughs> like, frame by frame. And a late abortion video. And just watching everyone crying and starting to realize how many of my friends in that room had had experienced that yeah and I was like damn like this is this is something else right so a lot of my attitudes I was always trying to like be curious about about sex Mm -hmm. and I had a sexual body and I felt sexuality and I felt you know 
a vibe mm-hmm. when I'll be watching sexy mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. on TV mm-hmm. as a child and I was Something yeah, yeah. I'll do a little like oh I feel a little little something <laughs> a little twirl a little, little something <laughs> inside you know I could feel that sexual energy as a child and yet nobody really talked no. about it you know I remember you know seeing different family members like outside of their relationships mm-hmm. being intimate mm-hmm. And having so many questions and asking, like, why is this person with this person mm-hmm. when they're with this person? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really get it. And, like, you know, walking in on folks and, like, mm-hmm. just, like, really seeing these things. Yeah. And not any explanation. No. A lot of shame yeah. was associated with it. A lot of um, um, fear yeah. of make sure that no one molests you, make yeah. sure that no yeah. one touch. And my body was associated to me with fear of like, if anyone ever touches mm-hmm. you, you got to do it. You got to run to me. You got to like everything about my body. I remember like getting breasts and I got, I got breasts in a period when I was already nine. Mm. And I remember hiding my bra under mm-hmm. my pillow, like all of this hiding, all of this shame, all of this, um, Bible-based ideas of sexuality is negative. Mm-hmm. And so I went into the world with that concept. Yeah. You know, yeah. I started my life with that concept of like, there's the virgin and there's the whore. Right. Right. They don't coexist. They don't go together. Yeah. You're either one or you're another. Yeah. And so when I lost my virginity around 18, like, I was like, must I'm be a, a whore, whore now. I'm a whore. <laughs> The sunset's free. Yeah. It's free indeed. I was like, am I a virgin or... Am I... Yeah. Yeah. I'm like... there's no middle. There's no middle because I'm not married. So right. so now I'm I'm tainted. You know, right. now I'm dirty. Now I'm... All of this negative... All of those things, you know. And it's, it's good for me that I discovered metaphysics very early. Mm-hmm. I discovered metaphysics when I was a senior in high school. And so this is around the same time that I lost, so-called lost my virginity Mm -hmm. or I had decided to be intimate for the first time with someone. By discovering that, I started to learn that there was no idea of good and bad was all subjective, Mm -hmm. that there, all there was is the all. And I stopped thinking about it in that way and Mm -hmm. started exploring like, okay, if the church taught me this about God and that's not the only framing for God, then maybe there's other framings for sex. Hmm. Hmm. And so my 20s were more about exploring what that meant. Oh, you're 20. <laughs> you know, like my 20s were really, really fun. I still had that bit of that prudishness mm-hmm. left from the church that mm-hmm. didn't allow me to be out here like wilding. Mm-hmm. But I definitely was friends with a lot of folks who were <laughs> wilding. All your friends. All my friends were <laughs> wilding. <laughs> They were wild. You had access to all. I did. I did. And it was good for me to break those kind of mental chains Mm -hmm. of understanding that idea of a whore. You know, so Mm -hmm. there were people that are around me that people would call promiscuous. Mm -hmm. But for me, being so close in proximity to folks that were really free in their sexuality freed me. It was empowering. It was empowering for me. It freed me. They looked happy. They were living their life in a really good way. That's part of what I think, you know, my theory is that all oppressive ideas stem from jealousy. Mm. And oppressive groups are jealous. 
Mm. And I do feel that way. I do. I think like when like a very rigid, virginistic approach to sex education, it's like in some ways that person really wants to let that freak flag fly, but they they don't because they're not allowing themselves to, and so they're very envious of people who are. It is jealousy, but it's sometimes like I remember, you know, being at a church and being the priest didn't know I was in the back. Mm-hmm. My family worked worked in the church, mm-hmm. so the priest didn't know I was in the back, and I overheard the priest having a very intimate moment and conversation and drinking and no. just all, all the of things the, that he's not. Yeah, mm-hmm. all of all the, the things. things. And I was like, wow, like, first of all, like, boo, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like boo, like, yeah, <laughs> like, boo. like, I mean, it was the Catholic Church. We're already, yeah. like, you were already talking about, yeah. like, all, all of all of the scandals, mm-hmm. right? But I got to witness firsthand that mm-hmm. what I saw on the outside and when I saw at Mass yeah. was not who that person really was. Mm-hmm. I got to see behind the mask, but to me... That's the problem with this Puritan yeah. idea yeah. is yeah. that all we do is suppress yeah. Yeah. what's Which, really underneath, what right. our desire. We all have desire. We all have them. And so this that's what I'm saying. Like watching people explore those desires. When you're trying to maintain a system that's built for power and control, so you make the choice to stay in that system yeah. to continue to legitimize that idea of power and control, the people who are not legitimizing that you view as a threat. Mm-hmm. Really, you could join the party. Mm-hmm. You too. You too could have them. You too could live a life that is authentic and that is like, you know, congruent for you and based on what you feel and you believe. But you choose not to, you know, I think for, for me, it's really, this question always like brings up like a big empty hole. I don't remember a lot of things about how sex was introduced to me. Mm. I just don't even remember, even with friends, it coming up a lot. Like, I had a very close group of friends, maybe towards college, it started to come up. But, like, high school and younger, no. Because, I don't know, we were just doing a lot of shit. Like, I mean, and our parents... Your parents didn't talk to you about sex? No. uh Uh-uh. I don't remember any conversations about it. No birth control conversations? Nothing. Mm -mm. I mean, but I was also a very quiet sort of introverted I was very extrovert I'm you know I'm an ambivert yeah. I can be very extroverted in yeah. social settings but I can be very introverted in my home space um and so I tended I was very introverted in my home space so I guess they were like you know when she brings it up then we'll talk about they it just but I didn't bring it up and they didn't bring it up either but I do remember coming across porn um much earlier so that's hard in the 90s it's harder in the 90s. Yeah. So now I, I now it's like you come across porn. Yeah, just, yeah. Back that point, like, it was like in a physical form. Like it was like, you know, a magazine or I think I believe it was a magazine or something like that. And I remember like, what, what is this? I knew this was different. I got the little tingle like, oh, yeah. something's going on. Erotic. Erotic. And, um, and then, of course, I kept sneaking back to find it. And eventually, somebody must have figured it out because they got moved. <laughs> Nobody ever talked about it. Nobody ever said, hey, where does my porn go? Like, you know, so I just, it just never really got talked about. And in some ways, I guess then that left me with a very, very generalized understanding. You mm-hmm. know, very, 
like something you'd see on ABC television. Just just very basic understanding. No understanding of its power. No understanding of its, um, the dynamics of it. Um, So on the flip side, I am extremely open with discussing this with my kids. Like one day... I'll have them talk, tell you all. They'll be like, yeah. They blow it up, though. They're like, yeah, mom started telling us eight. No. Mom started telling you about your body at eight. I do feel like my first, like, real sexual interactions were with myself. Like, mm-hmm. we're exploring that. Um, what is that little tingle? What is that feeling? So, and I think that's healthy, particularly for, for women. I also think it's for men, too. But yeah, for boys, for, too. For boys, too. And the reason I think for boys, too, is this is a book called The Tao of Sexology. Yeah. Yeah. Great book. The Tao of Health, Sex, and, and Longevity, or the Tao of Sex? Tao, Tao of Sexology. Okay. I yeah. was reading the other book. Yeah. Time. And so, in that book, one of the things they talk about is, um, and I, you know, I I'm not a man. I've never tried this. But, like, ejaculation is what they talk about to help, like, preserve, because there's all these nutrients you're, like, giving out in the world. Absolutely. And here we are. You see women, everybody our age, just grayed hair. Yeah, like, and they could be, like, yeah. fountain of youth. And yes. so... So here we are encouraging young men as a society, not as you know individual mothers, but as a society, we encourage young men to go out there and just like put in whatever they see, yeah. like literally whatever you see, just do, and, and they're giving away life force all over the place, and we yeah. never talk about that. We never talk about what their sexuality as precious. We talk, to, we give that sort of puritanical message to young girls, like you know you're flower or whatever the fuck we say but you know you're dead yeah all that you know to protect it to give it value we feel like if they think it's valuable that they will protect it but we don't give that to young men and so then when they're out here making decisions stuck on stupid because they've given their like life force all over the world the nutrients that would have made their brains better whatever we don't talk to them about the value that they're that they're just not considering and and for me i think that's important because because it's not about, you can make the choice to have sex as many times as you want, as long as you are conscious about the choice. Like, you are consciously making the choice, right? So this is what yeah. I want, I'm acting on what I want, and it's coming from that space versus, you know, just it's available. And I'm going to do this. I think that there's a different, there's going to be quite a shift in yeah. this new generation. Yeah. Like, I think that we've, we have so much access to information now, and I know even with, like, most people that I know aren't teaching shame with sex. Right, right. You know, like this generation that that we are the parents of yeah. coming up. Yeah. Like, I'm always, my rule is like, you can, it's your body. Right. You can do whatever you want with right. it. It's best when you're when you're touching your we, we use regular body yeah. your penis or your yeah, vagina yeah, yeah, yeah. that you do we so all use regular yes yeah. your penis or your vagina that you do so by yourself or yeah. your I'm gonna teach my daughter her vulva right yeah. your but we talk about the different parts of body that we have yeah. and that if you want to explore your body yeah there's there's a door yeah. And do it behind a door just so it's between you and you. Yeah. Like, that's your personal time, you yeah. know? And to me, there's nothing wrong with saying that to a, a four or five-year-old. Like, yeah. 
it's yours. Yeah. You, I tell you to explore your ears. Like yes. I tell you yes. to look at your hair. I tell you. It just makes sense. It just makes good come sense. Come on, come on. And I think it's really too about from that beginning point when you're talking about boys. Yeah, it's talking about it as the seed of creative energy. Mm. And so you know, with our young boys, we start from the very beginning of the chakra system mm-hmm. and what each chakra rules mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. colors they are. And they know that they in their minds, if they're gonna draw a heart, it's gonna be green. Green, right. You know, because their heart is green. And if they're going to talk about healing, they're going to use the color pink. Like, they know the things that are associated, what colors are associated with what. And these are, to to us, should be as basic as ABC. Absolutely. One, two, three. Yeah, absolutely. All of those things. Like, your chakra system, your root chakra, this is where, yeah, this is where your genitals are. And this is even more important, in my opinion, when raising children that are part of a marginalized group. Right. So, I'm... Currently beginning training to become a certified sex therapist because we just need more color everywhere, pretty much. So um, I'm really excited about it. But one of the things that fascinates me and one of the things I want to explore is the impact of oppression on the sexual body. Mm. And so when, when I, you know, we've talked about this, when I discuss the sexual body from a therapeutic standpoint, I see the potential for so much healing. um, That's non-physical. So if we can, if we can extract from the idea of the sexual body, the idea of having a psychological sexual body, an emotional sexual body, a genetically historical, an ancestral sexual body, like what if our ancestors had to go through sexually? When you think about groups of people who have been breeded, who have been raped and it was mm-hmm. state-sanctioned, who have been separated, who have um, blocked and unprocessed grief. Now, grief is in, held, housed in the second chakra along with joy. Right. right and pleasure. So if I have unprocessed grief, how do I at the same time access the joy that is in that sacral chakra? I see this as a path to heal the entire being right. through sex. And I just don't think people think about it that way. I know that wasn't how it was discussed with me. Mm-hmm. A lot of that, we have to think about this too. When we come into partnerships with people, like you have a great partner in that regard, yeah. but partnerships can really damage the sexual body. Like being told by a partner, you know, oh, that's nasty, that's bad, that's something that you want, something that you want to experience is bad or nasty or too much or or too demanding. Or Absolutely. That can, that, I get a lot of that in session. Um, that acceptance, people. you know, I, I, I was, I've really been thinking about that, how important it is. To have a partner that accepts your body. And explores with you. And explores your body. But the whole thing, like you're hairy, when your your body's mm-hmm, hairy, mm-hmm. when your body is funky, mm-hmm. when your breath is funky, mm-hmm. when you, you know, the whole, the whole how you dress, like embraces it, yeah. loves all yeah. of it. Yeah. It doesn't need to just be clean sex. Right. Like, right. And, and I'm one of those, like, you, I'm. <laughs> no, I have to tell this story. No, please, Pause. please Pause. go ahead. So we've referenced our band days yes. when we lived in the house together. We did live in the house together. And I remember what one saying like, you know, something along the lines of, oh, you know, you know, it can get really nasty. There's like stuff everywhere. And Noni, Noni just opened her arms and she was like, you know, color me by numbers. Like, <laughs> like, all of them. She's like, it's both the messier, the better. She was just so full of joy. And I was like, wait a minute. What is that about? What is she talking about? You know, like I totally, that 
I think about that, Dodie. I've thought about but, that multiple times since then because I've been like, it's supposed to be. There was so much fun and joy and playfulness. Yeah, because you were at that time. Because you were talking oh, you know, about. I was having a joyful place. Yeah, you were talking time. about using a condom to keep it cleaner. Yeah, I think that's fine. And I was like, what? what? Like, yeah. I'm so confused. That, that was, the funny thing is, that was the what I was thinking of. The purpose was cleaner. But you know, that was not a joyful time. It wasn't. But you know, you know what made me get to that place? Because I didn't start off there. Right. You know, it's having a partner who told me to embrace your inner whore. I mean, I'm still working on that. Yeah. Like coming from such a strong religious background yeah. to embrace your inner whore. He was like, you have to embrace all that you are. That's not just a sexual thing. Either. Yeah. No. To embrace your inner whore is to accept your shadow self. That's why I cuss. <laughs> Girl, you better say it. <laughs> but it was I like, it. it's okay to be dirty. It's okay to be messy. It's okay for sex to not be pristine. Right. And that I had to really learn. I remember he like put me in front of like a a porn Mm -hmm. that was like with like lots of people spitting and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like I'm really grossed out by spit. So it was just like a lot of (laughs) spitting. It's like it's like a whole like porn for head. You know, it was this I was young, like maybe 24, 25. Like I was just amazed that people were interested in in being this gross which to me was just disgusting but when it was all done I was like okay the brain what it sees it doesn't know that that's not what it's experiencing too right right. so anything that we look at it's as Mm -hmm. if we are experiencing Experiencing it as well which is why people get off on porn all day you think you feel like Like you're you're there your brain is like your subconscious mind cannot take a joke it doesn't know the difference and so by seeing that I was it was liberating yeah. so who's to say porn can't liberate a person yeah. it liberated me i liberated you used for liberation purposes yes absolutely yeah the embracing the shadow part like i i joke about that but i that i've been told by certain people where i'm like you know you should probably not cuss like on the podcast different than that this is a very true mm. this is a very intentional reason i do it's because i am a very spiritual person mm. i'm a highly highly spiritual person um, I love to be in my crown chakra. I would leave this place and be there all day. Hmm. But it helps me to ground myself and to rem- stay humble and to remind myself that like even cussing or whatever I do, I, it's all the same being. Yeah. And it's the root and the crown are connected. And so like I could be as base as fuck right. or I could be as high as my crown. But there, but I have to love it all. And if you're going to accept me like as a partner and a podcast or whatever... That has to be there too, and so I it's my way of checking people like, no, 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 don't get confused and think like you're getting this deep ass philosophical. I mean, you're getting that, but you're also getting this, yeah, you also getting Inglewood, you're also say. getting seventh ass, you know say. what I'm saying? Like, I really think people need to know, and just so there's no miscommunication, right? And I don't have to explain myself, I guess. Oh, you comfortable with your inner heart? I, yes, <laughs> like, I feel like that's where the freedom is. There's not a lot of freedom in being. The, the the saint no there's not a lot of freedom there people literally okay when we think about the crown chakra and the and the lower chakra we think about shakti and shiva right so mm. shakti is this female strong virile creative wild energy at the base right. of our chakra system right and shiva is literally this very stiff very patient almost completely still energy at the crown right that requires so much. Like, so much. Think about just, we were talking about patience. 
Yeah. Just being patient, which is associated with being good and virtuous. So, you know, of course, as we're exploring this, we want to talk about like how to explore the sexual parts of ourselves, how to think of it differently, approach it differently from a place of curiosity as opposed to as opposed to a place of judgment, which is something Esther Perel, who we both love, always talks about. And one thing that's starting to come up a lot as I'm preparing for this um, accreditation program is, you know, when we were kids, we liked to play. We liked to play. We liked to play make-believe. We yep. liked to play with things that were that seemed dirty. Our parents were upset because we got our clothes messy. Right. We liked to be imaginative. We liked to disassociate, but in a healthy way and escape. And that urge and desire is as natural to us as adults and maybe even more needed as adults than it was in childhood. It's kind of like, it's really um, a bit irrational and and our society can be very irrational to think that what we needed then we don't need now. Um, And so for a lot of people, a lot of couples in particular, we'll start with like the idea or if they're in a couple because we also have folks engaging in like polyamorous relationships that are open and healthy and explorative and may I say communicate better than so many other couples. Oh my God. You I think that, that you think that polyamorous couples communicate oh better? Oh my God. Like let me tell you something. In my experience, and this is just my experience, right? I I can't get my heteronormative couples to talk. And I have to slow down how much my polyamorous or queer identified couples like they, they process so much they negotiate so much you're so communicative but it's almost like they communicate themselves out of the experience sometimes so they over communicate interesting so I'm, so I'm like you know we ain't got to say everything <laughs> but they're very aware of being non-judgmental they're very aware of people's space they're very aware of boundaries all very respectful great things they're just like so much communication it's so opposite of my i mean to me couples. that's the the plus right of of uh polyamory is that it's about communication Absolutely. that to me that's the difference between like just like people like don't ask don't tell relationships yes. which is more heteronormative like so i'm always trying to like balance out these two sides and like yeah. how do i get my clients all of my clients somewhere in the middle where there's some mystery to mm. things a little bit in a healthy way but not in like this way that shuts down. It turns into secrecy and non-communicating, you know. So I'd rather work with people who are over-communicating, to be honest. It's so much easier. It gives me so much to work with because I can be like, you know what? You ain't got to talk about that right now. You could just like enjoy yourself. But, um, but my point was to say that rethinking about sex as play and freeing yourself to imagine it as a, play, a space of play allows you to think about what do I want to do? What do I want to experience? And to attract partners that also have a similar healthy view of it. Because I think if we especially, we have to remember we're in a very cis, Christian, heteronormative society, patriarchal society. It's like sex is for reproduction and sex is for marriage. Right. And, and, and okay, even say we're talking, say we go play your game, sex and marriage then. Fine. Let's talk about it. Are there still more rules? Like, how long do we have to go down this list of rules till we get to point where we can just, like, be let out on the playground? It's like the kid is sitting at the door and you're like, don't run, don't chew gum, don't skip, don't do this. Yeah. But I can see the playground. But part of it... You don't have to be out there. You know, part of it, like, when I studied, started, like, really reading more about, like, sacred sexuality, 
was about not chasing orgasm, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that's where like the playfulness Mm -hmm. comes in. Mm -hmm. Like when you're really more so about being in the moment Mm -hmm. and having the experience of Mm -hmm. pleasure that you're sharing, the sharing of light energy, the building, healing energy, healing healing your body, Mm -hmm. healing your partner's body, healing your your heart, healing your emotional body through the sexual act. And that it's not only about, getting off it's not only about like orgasms or a nut you know and i think that that's that's kind of what we're taught so we're taught like shame and we're taught physicality and or the the physical experience of you know you know lots of people lots of people feel like if you don't eat your pussy then that's not sex yeah you know because how else are you gonna orgasm But to me, like the a sexual, one of my greatest sexual experiences has been there was no no touching, no touching, mm-hmm. just which is just, proof, right? That like sex is beyond physical. It, right, that's a gateway to sex. But one of the things Oni and I talked about before recording that I really want to leave you all with is like, especially like we were talking about with oppressed groups and people who have there there's pain in the body too. The body holds trauma and pain, and again. It's stored, a lot of it is stored in that sacral chakra. Not all of it, but a lot of it is. And so a lot of us don't like to be in our bodies. And that's not our fault. That's from things that have happened to us. Yeah. And our bodies don't have to just be houses of pain. They can be houses of joy and pleasure. And we want them to be. We want that to bridge. That's a really big part of why we want to take on this topic today. And so part of how we do that is we think about if we think about sex as pleasure and enjoyment, then we can think about the emotional body. How do you enjoy things emotionally? How do you um, feel pleasure, experience pleasure emotionally? How do you experience pleasure psychologically? You know, like do there, that could be like a certain television show, but you're experiencing pleasure. And if you think about that as sexual energy, right? That sexual energy is just this like flow of yeah. pleasure and creativity. Yeah then you allow yourself to open it up on these other levels, which then can later translate to you healing that same space in your body, right? So if you can say, no, I do know, I do know, I do know what joy feels like. I do know what pleasure feels like. I feel it when I eat chocolate, right? Right? Great. So then uh, that that means that you can start to counter those traumatized, grief-stricken parts of yourself with joy by giving yourself a little taste of things that make you feel happy, joyful, excited, playful. And the more of that we connect ourselves to, the more it begins to heal in our bodies. And then we do want to get back to a place where we can physically be in our body and experience joy. So the example I give about this all the time is you think about your abuela, you think about your 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 grandmother, the black grandmother, and she's always like when she's cooking, she she can't wait for you to taste her cooking. She's like, she's eat, like, please eat. Eat. and then as you eat it, she's yeah. experiencing so much joy. Now, our grandmothers have been through a lot in their bodies. Right. They hold a lot of pain in their bodies. And so part of that for me saddens me that they're not experiencing the joy within their own body. That they didn't create that meal and sit in front of it by themselves and be like, mmm, I did you, that. Like, you, like, you see, they, don't, they barely even eat. They barely even eat. Yeah. A lot of times they barely even eat it. Their joy is external. It's through watching so through the third party's body because of the trauma to their own bodies. And I want to see us be able to do that for ourselves and experience it within our own bodies, you know? And so that's when we talk about the sexual body, we understand that there's a lot of 
a lot of things. There's a there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. It's a book on trauma mm. in the body. And there's a, there's so much. You know, think about it. When, like you said, no, when you see something, um, you are experiencing it. Right? Absolutely. So if we've lived through it, that muscle memory, that tension, that smell, that sight, that sound, it all triggers because the body has not forgotten. But what we can do, what we have learned through trauma is that what replaces the pathways that are created by trauma is joy. Creating mm-hmm. opportunities and experiences of joy begins to heal and overlap the um, pathways we've created from trauma. So in, our, in our brain. Cure to trauma, in our brains. It's neuroscience. So literally the cure to trauma is joy. That's amazing. It's joy. It's, it's accessing more joy. That's wonderful. Yeah. So we really hope... We shared a lot. We did. We've We've been very vulnerable. We have been very vulnerable. But you know what? This isn't our first talk on. This is our. This is our first talk on sex. It's not our last. It's not our last because there's so much to explore. And as I take these classes, I'm gonna be coming back with hell of shit to share. Well, what are some words you want to leave with us today, Thea? I wanna. I wanna leave our listeners with an assignment. So the assignment I want to do is I want to encourage everyone to prepare a sexy ass meal okay for themselves make sure it has some good yeah. healthy fats please. yeah i was about to say you can go keto if you want but if you know if barbecue sausage thing you know slather it up um consider the flavors and the textures the smells the temperatures the colors and the beauty of it as you are creating every layer of it and as you are plating it i want you to enjoy the fact that it was designed and specially made for you And every bite that you take, I want you to have a moment for yourself um, and do this, you know, as often as possible between now and when we meet again. Wonderful. Thank you. My word from the heart is, do you see me? Mm. That is a sentence that my uh, one and a half year old has been saying to me. Do you see me? Now, I think she started saying it because I was looking at my phone, to be mm. to be honest. But to me, what a wonderful gift she is that she came to earth and shook me up out of Instagram by saying, yes. do you see me? Because mm. she doesn't talk much. No, she is. <laughs> a few words. But do you see me? Mm. Do you see me? I say, yes, I see you. Do you see me, Umi? Do you see me? Do you see me? And to me, that is such a gift that we're all mm-hmm. looking for when we're talking about intimacy. My yeah. favorite, my favorite exercise is eye gazing in a, in mm-hmm. a way to reconnect. I think that it's um, good for friendship. It's good for relationship with your parents, with your children, but definitely with your intimate partner mm-hmm. to spend ten minutes saying nothing and just gazing in, in one another's eyes. But that that do you see me? Mm-hmm. Yes, I see you. Mm-hmm. Those two things for me have been just those those nuggets that are following me every day. Mm-hmm. Do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see me? And I've started saying it. Do you mm-hmm. see me? Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. see me right now? Can you really see who I really am mm-hmm. right now? And I really appreciate it. It's very, very, very intimate. Do you see me? <sighs> I think we have given y'all everything we got. <laughs> All we, all we got we for see. today. If I smoke the cigarette, <laughs> you do, I it, right do now. it right now. <laughs> I would do it right now. Um, thank you all again for rocking with us. Uh, reminder to just like, share, 
share and love and like and comment and review, but share, share, share is the biggest thing. Um, we're really excited and honored to be holding the space, but it's a lot of fun and you're a big, big part of that. So thank you. Thank you. We look forward to talking to you soon.